Let's turn together in our Bibles to Romans chapter 10. These very well-known words of Romans chapter 10. We'll also be looking in the back of our songbooks at Belgian Confession Article 28 in just a minute, a minute now. Let's read first of all from Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, we'll start reading then at verse 9 and read to verse 17. Romans chapter 10, that's found on page 1124, Romans 10 at verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And as far as reading from Romans 10, then I invite you to turn with me, if you will, in the back of your songbooks. We're going to be looking at Belgic Confession Article 28, Article 28 in the back of our red songbooks. As I said before, last week we began our consideration of the church, looking at the holy, a universal church, that there is one church that Jesus Christ is gathering, one sacred assembly. And now we are moving into a little bit a closer of a focus, looking more specifically at the local church and the obligations that we have towards it. So this is Belgian Confession, Article 28, uh, that's page 865. Article 28, the obligations of church members. We believe that since this holy assembly and congregation is the gathering of those who are saved and there is no salvation apart from it, no one ought to withdraw from it content to be by himself regardless of his status or condition. But all people are obliged to join and unite with it, keeping the unity of the church by submitting to its instruction and discipline by bending their necks under the yoke of Jesus Christ, and by serving to build up one another, according to the gifts God has given them as members of each other in the same body. And to preserve this unity more effectively, it is the duty of all believers, according to God's word, to separate themselves from those who do not belong to the church in order to join this assembly wherever God has established it even if civil authority and royal decrees forbid and death and physical punishment result. And so, all who withdraw from the church or do not join it act contrary 
to God's ordinance. And that's as far as reading uh, in Belgic Confession, Article 28, we pray for the blessing of our God on the preaching of his word. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, why are you here? Why did you get up this morning? Why did you put on your nice clothes? Why did you brush your teeth? Why did you get into your car and drive here early on this Sunday morning? Why didn't you stay in bed? Why didn't you log on your computer and watch something by way of live stream? Why didn't you listen to a podcast? Why didn't you go to Starbucks, grab a coffee, put your ear pod in and listen to uh, some sermon from your favorite pastor? Why did you come here? Why did you go through all the trouble of showing up here this Sunday morning? And even as parents, why did you get all your kids together, getting them all ready, getting in the car, and travel to church on this Sunday morning? Why did you come? While continuing our series of the Belgian Confession, today we are going to be focusing in specifically on the local congregation of Christ. And we're going to be answering the question, what are your obligations towards the church? And the answer is this, your obligation to the church is that you need to join it. Your obligations to the church of Jesus Christ is you need to be a part of it. The local congregation is known in a specific time and a specific place. Last week, we looked at the universal aspect of the church, that there is one sacred assembly gathered from all nations from the beginning of the world to the end, and that unites us in one faith, united in Christ, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one church. There is a unity that all of God's people share together. But being a part of a universal church also means we will be part of a specific local congregation. To say this another way, do you understand the link between the invisible universal church and the visible local church? Now, it might seem a little gratuitous that your pastor would say, you need to be here, but the fact remains, Jesus is pleased to save his people in the context of a local congregation. I'll say that one more time. Jesus Christ is pleased to save his people in the context of a local congregation. We start then in our first point by looking at why it is we must join, why we need to go through all the hassle, if you will, of of joining and being present when God's people gather. In order to understand how significant this is, Remember the context in which the Belgic Confession was written, just by way of a little summary history. Uh, During the time, mid-1500s, joining the Reformed Church was often a death sentence. Even Guido de Bray would end up losing his life because he refused to deny the truth of these words. Joining a, a Protestant or Reformed Church was a dangerous thing. And if the civil authorities found your name on the rules of a local reformed church, you are basically signing your own death warrant. But today, how things have changed. Today, church is seen as a waste of time by the world. If you ask most people who are not Christians, what is Sunday about? It is a day for your hobbies, 
It's a, a day to, to sleep in. It's a, it's a day for your family, perhaps. Sunday is my day. It is not the Lord's day. But as our Belgian Confession clearly states, joining the local church is not just a good idea. It is a necessary part of the Christian's life. So we can understand why unbelievers would say that joining the church is not important or not significant. But there are also many so-called Christians who make this claim. So-called Christians who will say, I am a part of Christ, but I don't want to be a part of his people. The church has too many hypocrites. Have you ever heard that? The church has too many hypocrites. Why would I want to be a part of a group like this? Although it is unfortunately true, there can be hypocrites among God's people. And it is also true, God's people are sinners who struggle with remaining sin. The fact remains, God wants his people united together at church. There is something special, distinct, unique that takes place when God's people gather together. As you will remember, Jesus promised, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. There is something that takes place here that you cannot find out there. You cannot find what you find here when you go for a walk when you spend time in creation, which is all good, all beneficial to the heart and soul, but there's something very unique and special. So getting back to the question, why should you be here this morning? The first answer is this, because God tells you to be here. What is a call to worship? Reading in the Psalms, for example, Psalm 100, we read that earlier today. Worship the Lord. Come, come, let us gather together. Sing to the Lord. Serve the Lord. Why should you come? Because God says to his people, Come, worship me. Bring your tithes and offerings. Sing your songs of prayer. Gather with God's people. It is something which God calls us to do. But more than a command, we come not just because of, of obedience to the commandments of God, we come because it is for our good. It is for your benefit to be here today. The church is not something that you can take or leave at your own leisure. It is a sacred responsibility. Hebrews 10 says, do not forsake the gathering of God's people. And the reason we should be desirous, the reason why your heart should be motivated, why we should long, as David would, I long to be in your presence as a, a deer longs for water. Why should we long? Why should our hearts desire to be here with God's people? It is because the local church is the place where we find the means of grace. Now, children, do you remember the means of grace? What are the means of grace? The means of grace are the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacraments. It is the local church where you find preaching 
and the sacraments. Well, why is it so important that you have preaching? Why is preaching so important to God's people? If you still have your Bibles open in Romans 10, you will find this in Romans 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. To follow Paul's line of thought in Romans chapter 10, we find this. Faith comes from hearing the word proclaimed. The word proclaimed, gospel preaching, comes when gospel ministers are sent by Christ to his church. So to follow the line of thought, if we want to be people of faith, if we want Christ by his spirit to be producing faith in our hearts, then we will put ourselves in the place where Christ says, it is there that I produce faith in the hearts of my people. To apply this one more step, parents, I know you want to have your children be people of faith. You want Christ to work in the hearts of your children, that they would come to faith and knowledge of the Lord. You want your little ones to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. And that is why you take your children to church every week to hear the word of God proclaimed. So if a person wants to be saved, it stands to reason you'll put yourself in the place that Jesus Christ says, that's where I produce faith. To state this another way, God uses means to save and sanctify his people. And that's why it's so important that you be a part of God's church. Not in the universal sense, in the local sense. Because Jesus Christ does not give the means of grace to the universal Catholic Church. It's not something out there. It is concrete. It's here. To be very clear, and I hope you're not being confused on this, it is not the church that saves. I can't save you. Your elders can't save you. It's not the church that saves. It is Christ who uses the means found within the church. Jesus saves through the ministry of his people. He chooses to speak through and in the church. He uses preaching to, to quicken us. That's an old word. To awaken us. To prick the conscience. The preaching of the word is a unique, specific, spirit-filled opening and application of God's word. God applying a specific text to a specific people. And I can say this this morning, the sermon that you needed to hear the most was this sermon. Because God speaks specific words to specific people in specific times. There's no substitute for this. As beneficial as it is to listen to good sermons and good podcasts by, on the internet and things like this, it, you can't get what is taking place here by way of social media. It doesn't happen. 
This is the official covenantal administration of the living word of God to a specific congregation in a specific time and in a specific place. There is no substitute for it. And it is here that Christ works. To illustrate this point, in a couple months from now, kids, maybe you'll be sitting in your backyard and say, hey, Dad, can we have a bonfire? Your dad builds a bonfire and you have this roaring fire and then you have this little coal on the edge of the fire. This little ember. If you take your, your stick and you move that ember away from the fire, what happens to that ember? It quickly extinguishes. God's people are like those embers. If you take us out of the church, if you remove us from the context, from the flame of God's people, we are extinguished. We grow cold. We need the flame of the family of God, the church, to keep that fire going or, or to put it in, in maybe uh, more of a, a present-day application. We're rechargeable batteries that throughout the week we are drained. We get back to church and we are recharged. That's how God is pleased to work. The old saying is no man is an island, but that is true of God's people. It's in the local church that faith is produced and God's people are sanctified. So our, car, our article concludes, those who withdraw from the church or do not join it act contrary to God's ordinance. It's contrary to your good, to your eternal good, to the state of your soul. It's contrary to your good to forsake the gathering of God's people. No sheep is content to be alone. They will seek, they will long for a flock in which they could find shelter. Well, now that we've looked at in our first point why we are to join the church, our second point we're going to look at how it is we join the church. If we are convinced from God's word, as we should, that joining the church is for our spiritual good, in our second point, we ask the question, how do we become members of the local church? Is it just showing up on Sunday morning? Is that all you have to do? Is the church kind of like a, a social club, a lion's club? You have to uh, sign on the dotted lines, pay your, D, your, your dues, and then you're, you're rolled, you're registered. Or Is it like the team, joining a team? Are there tryouts? Do you have to measure up to some level of skill or expertise in order for you to become a member, to join the team of the church? If you're not gifted enough, you're cut. Is that what takes place in the church? Surely not. You do not have to pay your dues or try out to become a member of God's people. Rather, we become a member of God's people when we believe in Jesus Christ and we confess our faith or profess our faith in him. This link between faith, belief, and profession is found in Romans 10, verse 9. We read this earlier, Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that one believes and is justified and with the mouth that one confesses and is saved. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. If you confess me before men, I will confess your name 
before my Father in heaven. So getting back to the question, how does someone become a member of the local church? Well, you become a communicant member of the local church by believing in Jesus Christ and professing, publicly professing your faith in Jesus as your Savior. There is a verbal and visible aspect to becoming a member in Christ's church. Stated negatively, there is no such thing as a silent or secret member of the local church. There are unique rights and privileges reserved for those who publicly profess their faith in Jesus Christ. Becoming a communicant member simply means you have access to the Lord's Supper, communion. That's one specific privilege. And every time God's people gather together to celebrate the Lord's uh, Supper, you stand with God's people and you once again publicly affirm in a very visible way that you belong to Christ and you believe his word. In this way, the congregation is united together. The sacred bond of union is strengthened as we eat together in remembrance of him. So there are no membership dues Paying your tithes and offering is not a membership due to belong to the church. It's a sacred responsibility, a proper response of faith, yes and amen, but paying money to the church does not make you a member of the church. There's no fee. There's no tryouts. Nor simply showing up does not make you a member of the church. Simply darkening the doors does not make you a member of the church. It is by faith in Jesus Christ and publicly professing your faith that is how you become a member of the local church of God's people. So those who join the church are called to do so in a very visible and verbal way. By this, you are setting yourself apart. Our article puts, like, puts it this way. In order to preserve the unity, you are to separate from those who don't belong to, to the church and to join this assembly wherever God has established it. There's a, a visible gathering together of God's people. So the local visible church is made up of professing believers and their children who are gathered together. That's what the word church means. Ecclesia, called out and called together. The gathering of God's people. Well, now that we've looked at how we become members, we concluded in our final point then by the privilege of joining. The benefit of joining the local church. We've seen this benefit thus far. The benefit of, of being a part of God's people is that we hear the preaching. That was in the first point. And we have access to the Lord's Supper. That's in our second point. But in this last point, they're going to look specifically at a benefit listed in our Belgian Confession article that we are obliged to join and keep the unity of the church by seeking to build up one another according to the gifts God has given to us. So here we look at what is called what is called the, the ministry of the saints or the communion of the saints. We are part of the, the office of believer. The local congregation is the place in which God works and calls us to work. The local congregation is the context in which Christ calls you to use your gifts. 
We read this in Ephesians 4. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, verse 16. The church is the body in which each part has a purpose. When each part is working properly, the body grows so that it's built up in love. The imagery that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 12 is that the local church is akin to a physical body. That's 1 Corinthians 12. The local church is akin, it looks like a physical body. In every body, you have different parts. You might be an ear, you might be an eye, you might be a hand, you might be a foot. Each part is unique, distinct, has different talents and abilities, but each part is woven together by muscle and sinew. They are joined together under one head, Christ. One heart, the Holy Spirit beating within us. Belonging to the local church not only has great privileges, but also has great responsibility. The responsibility that we have is to use our gifts, whatever those gifts might be. Supporting the local church is a very concrete calling. Very concrete. The local congregation being the local manifestation of the universal church is the place in which Christ calls you to work, to use your gifts. We all show up on Sunday ready to take our place, ready to do our part. We sing, we bring our tithes and offerings, we speak a word of encouragement. This is all very normal, very ordinary, but a necessary part for the church to have maturity and strength. Whatever your, whatever your calling, whatever your gift, whatever your responsibility is, you use it cheerfully for the building up of God's people. So whatever you're called to do, not just here on Sunday, but even throughout the week, you think of those in the church that need prayer and you pray for them. Maybe give a phone call to someone or send someone a message, an encouraging word. You do your part if you are a teacher or if you are a student. You're getting ready for the time your class is gathering together. Maybe you're called to, to clean in the church or maybe you're called to bring cookies for fellowship. Whatever opportunity you have, you use your gifts cheerfully. Maybe it's playing the organ or the piano or maybe it's preaching. Whatever the Lord calls you to do, you use your gifts cheerfully, building up the body, supporting the church of Jesus Christ. But the fact is, as you know, brothers and sisters, we live in a very me-centered, non-committal society. People choose to go to church if that church gives them what they need, what they want. People tend to use a church that would have the least amount of responsibility placed on them. And that is the appeal watching services online or attending a megachurch because you can avoid the messiness of relationship and the responsibility of serving. Tend to go somewhere where you can blend into the background and there's no accountability. But the local church is not a place to hide from others, it's a place to minister to others. It's a place to lean on others and to pour yourself into others. The local church is where discipleship and discipline take place, where genuine community is found. Paul puts it like this in Galatians 6. Do good to all and especially to those 
of the household of faith. So your membership in a local church should be a blessing to others in that church as Christ used you to minister to one another. And that is why and that is how we join the local church. Next week, we're going to be looking at the marks of a true church. So two weeks ago, we looked at the fact that there is one universal church. This week, we looked at the need to join a local church and the benefits of that. Next week, we'll be looking at how do you tell which church to join. That's the marks of the true church next week. Uh, To conclude, the local church is where God wants his people to go. We're called out of this world, called together for worship. If Jesus is your good shepherd, his flock will be where you go. The local church is not perfect, but it is a family, a place where we love to serve and to use our gifts, united with Christ and with his people. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for the church that we can be a part of, and we thank you for this church. We thank you that you have seen fit to work in the context of a local congregation. Oh, Lord, these are great gifts, great treasures. We thank you for a church that we can be a part of. We pray for the unity of this church, that we would grow in our love, and as we use our gifts to serve one another, help us to use those gifts for the building up, for the encouragement, for the strengthening of one another, all the more as we look forward to the return of your Son on that last day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's now stand and sing together 408. 408.